to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and producer, Max Kerman. Good to be here. And in a change of protocol, we also have early on in the episode, our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Hello. We're doing a three-man pod. Just an excuse to hang out. Front to back today. You know, I want to say before we get going, we need more subscribers on iTunes. So uh, I don't know if we actually do, but I feel like that's something podcasters say all the time. Sure. It's really important. You spread the word. You subscribe. You give us a five-star rating on iTunes. So if you haven't done that, you got two things to do. Subscribe. No, three things. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Five stars. Do it right now. That is my producing, uh, my producing job. Done. Okay, so this weekend, lots is going on here. Uh, first of all, today on the show, we have uh, actor David Arquette. Woo! We will get to him in a bit. Later, later in the episode, during the dessert, we're all going to sit around and talk about Steve Jobs, because the three of us saw it this weekend uh, separately. Yeah, in a moment of organization, I got an email from Mike saying, hey, can you see Steve Jobs? Which I was like, that's the job that I should be doing, organizing the show. But you did it. and we He all didn't came- even ask you to see it. He just CC'd you on it. Oh, really? And said, Shane, can you see it? And then you're like, on it, just watch it. (laughs) So I didn't even read the email properly. (laughs) You're a busy man. Um, But that's not the only thing we did this weekend, because Shane, uh, you and I went to uh, the Buffer Fest sort of closing night party. Explain what Buffer Fest is. Buffer Fest is this big sort of uh, thing that happens that involves all the creators, YouTubers. They had like a screening of new videos on the Friday night. All I know is it had an open bar on the Sunday night. That's (laughs) That's the the only only bar we went to. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we got very crunk daddy so we went you were just saying though you were talking to uh for y'all yeah um i had done a shoot previously with for y'all and for y'all is a very popular uh youtube like i guess they're like a comedy troupe like a cool black guy comedy troupe yeah and uh they're all very like hot young black dudes basically yes anyways the one cool guy he kind of recognizes me and he walks up and gives me like a cool shake i I I get really nervous at those i love those i I kind of i'm good at those you really yeah yeah he gives me the handshake and I execute it perfectly for once in my life. So I'm feeling good. And I'm like, all right. So obviously the four of y'all guys remember me. So the uh, older brother, he's kind of like the cool one. He runs the show, the whole troupe. I go up and I pinch his butt <laughs> because I think we're cool friends. And he looks at me and I do the thing where you point at someone else. <laughs> so I point at Alex and I'm like, oh, your girlfriend. I'm like, yeah, you know, he'll think it's funny. Like, oh, the girl with this hot girl pinched my butt or whatever. And then he just looked at me disgusted and was like, who the fuck are you? And then kind of <laughs> shook his head and I said something that I can't remember and then turned and walked away. So yeah, it was a horrible interaction, that part. Oh, Shane. Yeah. Well, still, 50% of the crew likes me. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, Open great bar, times. You never know. Yeah, yeah you'll never Real be York. invited back. Um, yeah, well, that's not the only thing that's been going on this weekend, although that was a fun time, and uh, thanks to much for having us to their closing night gala for Bufferfest. Uh, Max, you played a, a homecoming show at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario this weekend. Yeah, it was an awesome show. Um, the band's been really busy uh, for the last like, like last month and a half. So we were in LA, and then we did some US dates on the North in New York and Boston, Philly, DC. Then we went right into recording. So it's just been kind of a crazy time. So uh, for old time's sake, I asked your brother, Greg, who's who's my roommate, and our old friend, Dan Hamilton, who's like Greg's childhood best friend, one of my best friends, uh, if uh, they wanted to do a little road trip up to uh, Kingston uh, for for the night. And we're like, oh, it would be like old times because, you know, back in the early band days, they'd come to like a lot of the college shows and, you know, we'd play the show and then we'd go out and it'd just be a fun thing to do. And it is kind of funny because we're all like 30-year-old men at this point now. <laughs> uh, so we, we drive up to Kingston. The, it feels like it's like a 30-minute car ride because we're all just blabbering at each other and it's just like super fun. Listen to the new Adele song. We cried a little bit like at two in the afternoon. It was Seriously? Awesome. Uh, and, 
No, we didn't cry, but uh, <laughs> but we a lot we of got, crying going on in this podcast. <laughs> so it's like six o'clock, and we're sitting around at dinner. Like like, and I have to play at like ten o'clock. Like no one's had like a drop of alcohol yet, and uh, we're sitting around, and I go to Dan because Dan is recently single. Um, I say, Dan, are you going to go on Tinder? Uh, and I, I've never had a chance to go on Tinder because I've been in a relationship for the last five years, basically. Why before. are you winking at me right now? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? You're not supposed to say that. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Uh, so I'm like, uh, Dan, you should go on Tinder and just to see what's going on in, in uh, Kingston. You know, who knows? Um, so Dan goes, ah, should I? And Greg's like, oh, you definitely should. So Dan, uh, Greg and I are just poking Dan. So Dan sets up his profile again because it's been dormant. And uh, he, he picks like five like hunky photos that he's taken very, uh, like to make him look like a, like a male model. And he's feeling pretty good about himself. In the fifth photo, I'm sitting with him in, uh, in this booth, like in a bar. That's like the fifth photo. So it's not the first one you see. It's not the second, third, fourth. It's the fifth one, the last one. But the fifth putting- one's the most important, by the way. Why is I this? To- because fifth one's the one people use as the real litmus test for what you really look like. And it's the one people tend to sit on the most when they go through and swipe through. Uh, so I told Dan, the fifth is the most important. Uh, I really? also told Dan, Max is a pussy magnet, so make sure to put him in. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really thinking about all those things. All I was thinking about was that I like the fact that Dan's doing this because I get to sort of live vicariously through him. It just seems like a fun thing to do. And also, like, I like kind of being a part of the action. So I didn't really, like, like, I, my idea was that, like, if someone was going through dance and they happen to see me, I just, like, like the fact, because I'm a narcissistic lead singer, right? That's sort mm-hmm. of oh, yeah, no, who yeah. I am. And uh, so they'd be like, oh, there's Max from the Arkells. Like, that's a cool thing. So that's, that's what my mindset was. Then we go, what should the bio be? And Greg, who I think is hilarious, he works with you guys. He's a great copywriter. I go, Greg, what's the copy? And by the way, no one says what's the copy when you're writing Tinder. <laughs> Only people in your line of work say what's the copy. Like, oh, we got to come up with a good copy for this. And Greg <laughs> yeah. goes, uh, in town for homecoming, looking for a home to come in. And, <laughs> and, and, and come That's, in is like C-U-M dash. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so I think that's hilarious because I, I, you know, I have a soft spot for any of you guys. So I'm like, that's it. Put it up. So it's just keep my six o'clock. Nobody's been drinking or anything. It's all like very civil. You just think it's funny, but juvenile, but juvenile. Crass, but and funny. obviously people will get inconsequential. Like, totally bro. inconsequential. Um, we, Dan puts it up at about six ten, like literally 10 minutes later. He goes, oh, this is stupid. I'm not going on Tinder. This is. So he took it down he, at 10 minutes after 10, he put it up. Literally 10 minutes. Okay. So whatever. Played the show, awesome show. All the bars were packed. We couldn't get into anything. It was raining. It was a terrible night. But we knew a few people throwing this party. Like, there's so many like student houses there. So we go to this party at about 1.30 in the morning. We got off stage at 12 at this house party. 1.30 in the morning. Dan from across the kitchen in this house we're in just shows me a phone that's been given to him. And it's a, and it's a screenshot of Dan's Tinder profile. But it says it's in the Facebook page, Queen's Happenings. Oh, geez. And it says, like, when the lead guitarist is looking for a home to come in, and it's just a screen cap of Dan's Tinder profile from literally eight hours ago. Wait, you let Dan play guitar at that show? (laughs) (laughs) So somebody screen grabbed it and put it in this Facebook page group. And it was 1.30 in the morning. I didn't know anything about the Facebook page, and I just thought it was, like, a funny thing. So Dan shows, like, look at this. And I go, oh, God, okay, that's funny. Anyway, carry on with whatever conversation I was having. We get some poutine at the end of the night. 
and we go to bed. We go back to the hotel. We go to bed. The next morning, I get some texts from from the Arkells guys, and and they're like, "Dude, this thing that's been posted in this Facebook group has twenty one thousand people in the Facebook group, and <laughs> and the right now is four hundred likes. Like, this is a terrible look. People think that it's like your Tinder profile, despite the fact it says Dan, age thirty one. Mm-hmm. I'm Max, age twenty eight. And you did have a guy named Dan in your group. But we did have a guy in there, but it's like sometimes this happens where it's like if I'm with. Like you, I've been with you guys at a restaurant. People go, "Oh, Arkells, I love you," and they think you're in the band. So yeah. it's like it's kind of a. I don't sh- deny it either. <laughs> <laughs> so I wake up and I'm just like, "Oh God, this is a nightmare." So I immediately message the girl who's posted this thing because you could, you know, tell who you know the person is in Chelsea. And I'm like, "Hey, just hey, it's Max. Uh, I think I, I totally think it's funny, but uh, you know, could you please take that down? You know, my my family would be probably kind of bummed to see this." And she does not check her Facebook. I'm like, what the hell? And then I added her because sometimes, you know, it goes like straight into like the spam folder or whatever. Nothing. Hours pass by. The likes are going up. At like 11 a.m., it's like 800 likes. At uh, 1 p.m., it's like over a thousand likes. It's by far the most popular thing in this like happening in Queens. I'm getting text messages from random people going, are you seeing this? Like our friend Carly in Hamilton, in Hamilton, she said her friend sent her the screen cap of the Facebook post and was like, this is all over social media Queens. The guys in the band are like freaking out because they think it might like, you know, become like a huge thing on Buzzfeed or something, which I think is giving us a little more credit. Uh, and I called Lauren. I was like, Lauren, but the thing with Lauren is very like wise and mature, and she knows like the kind of idiots because it was basically what happened. It was the perfect storm of the fact that me, Dan, and Greg hadn't hung out with each other, so we were like in a long time, so we were extra giddy to be around each other. It's a perfect storm that Dan happens to be single at the moment. It was the perfect copy. Greg was not apologizing for anything. Greg was like, this is my best work yet. It's going on my resume. Uh, Did the girl ever get back to you? So I found her email address. I just like Googled her name in Queens. And she's like in the physics department or whatever. And uh, she messaged, uh, I messaged her and she got back to me later that night. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. Like she reacted how I assumed she'd react. Because most people aren't trying to be malicious. They're just Mm -hmm. like trying to drunkenly have some fun. And she said, oh, I'm really sorry. I hope I didn't cause any problems. I took it down. So anyway, problem solved. Uh, so if anybody's listening out there, there's no Dan in the band and Greg is a great copywriter. All right. Let's move on to David Arquette. Mm-hmm. Um, Max, you weren't there for this one. I think you were starring in someone's Tinder profile pic. <laughs> Shane, you were there for David Arquette and you were excited about this Very one. excited. Yeah. Um, I think it's the most I ever talked in one of these uh, sit-ins. You did? Mm-hmm. I you- said a couple, two, two things, maybe 10 words in total I said. What was funny, too, about that one, which I found really interesting, was it's the only time a guest had been waiting for us. Normally, they're late, and we're nervously kind of thinking of shit or how weird it's going to be. But when we walked in, David Arquette's just sitting in the uh, in the office, yeah. which I thought was, was kind of cool. Yeah, totally. Like him waiting on us? Like, we've hit the big time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was cool, though. I mean, like I said- I'm a pretty- big Howard Stern fan, yeah. so I had listened to him, and I love how- um, David's very open and he's he's kind of hard to like to to get the reins in. So I feel like we're like-minded people a little bit cuz we say stupid shit a lot and we're always getting ourselves into trouble. Yeah. So he's like I don't say spirit animal like I know you do, but if I was the type to say that, he would be my spirit animal. David Arquette. Yes. So you, you so you relate to him on some level after hearing him on all these appearances on Stern, seeing the movies he's been in. 
Yeah, sitting by him, uh, the whole interview, I was just like, I can't believe I'm sitting beside him. He's a fascinating mm-hmm. guy uh, with like sort of a, a very long story. Obviously, his sister Patricia Arquette won an Oscar uh, last year for Boyhood. Um, he talks about all that. He talks about his play. He's actually doing a play here in Toronto called Sherlock. Going into this interview, I didn't know much about David Arquette. I, uh, he wasn't really on my cultural radar. Like I knew, obviously, who he was. But then going through sort of like listening to the Howard Stern stuff and preparing the questions, he's amazing, uh, like life. Yeah, he's he's lived, he's seen a lot, you know, and and he says that a lot in the interview. You know, he says he's just he wants to be present and in the moment and sort of like like authentic. And you know, I feel like that comes. And how across. he hates he hates bullshitters. Like yeah. when he was talking about that briefly, and mm-hmm. Stern in uh, one of the interviews was trying to get him to say like that he didn't like Courtney Cox's new like musician boyfriend. And he's like, no, he's a really nice guy. Like he he's not really filled with a lot of like hate or resentment mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. He's sort of just like, nah, everyone's cool. It's like, I think that's why people like him and why he comes by it all very well, often. Well, once Howard went out to dinner with Courtney and not him and he called Howard furious. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, this is the ultimate betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's pretty like uh, emotional and uh, mercurial, I guess they call it. Yeah. Which is always entertaining, makes good radio. If you found out Max went out to dinner with Alexandra without you, would you call him angry? Hmm, it's hard. Max has that thing that Arquette has. He's so lovable. <laughs> I would, I'd have like an internal combustion happening because I know Max, he's very flirtatious and grabby. <laughs> <laughs> like with guys and girls. But I think he does it with the guys so he can get away with it with the girls. Like, <laughs> I treat everybody like this, Shaney boy. <laughs> All right, let's get to David Arquette. It's kind of like a job interview. I feel like. Okay. Yeah, well, I, don't, I like hope, don't want it to be that. No, fun. I hope I, you know, don't say anything. What are your worst qualities? <laughs> Do people ask that in job interviews? I think that's like the the catchy question. Yeah. And then you have to slide it in with like a really good thing. Yeah. Like I like, work too hard. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's my that's worst exactly quality. <laughs> I just never give up. You know. <laughs> How you been? How you, how you like in Toronto? I'm good. Are we going? We're Is going. We're happening? Happening? We just wow. we jump right into it. That's, That's how we do amazing. It. Yeah. I love Toronto. It's one of the greatest cities uh, in the world. I mean, I, I have dear friends here. I love the nightlife. I love the sort of a. We went to the Jays game yesterday, which was incredible. That was an amazing game. We were yeah. watching it as well last night. Yeah, was, uh, the fans are out of control. Yeah, but it's really awesome. How much rehearsal have you been doing for the? We did up? six shows in Los Angeles. We had two and a half weeks of rehearsal, which isn't much. So to learn like two hours of dialogue in two yeah. and a half weeks was kind of challenging, <laughs> to say the least. And it seems like you have such a sort of like diverse resume, you know what I mean? With like mm-hmm. wrestling, you're a big Lakers fan. Yeah. Like when you were a kid, did you sort of hop around from interest to interest a lot like this? Really, I, I guess so. I mean, it primarily always revolved around either acting or art. I mean, those were my two favorite things. I was a graffiti artist for a while. I mean, still sort of dabble in street art. But, um, yeah, so that stuff and putting on little plays when I was younger and, and in high school. Yeah, so those were my real sort of passions. Was there a moment when you were younger or sort of maybe a movie you saw where you were like, I want to be an actor? When I was really young, it was just something we did. Like, we played theater games and stuff like that growing up. And I watched my dad do improvisation a lot. So that, that really gave me a bug for that side of it, that sort of comedy element. But in high school, I was doing graffiti and running around and getting in a bit of trouble. <laughs> but then these girls approached me and said, do you want to try out for this play? They can't find anybody to be in the role. 
So I tried out for it, and I got to ride a motorcycle like through the auditorium in, in my high school. I was like, awesome. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah, so and one time I rode up, and I crashed in. The <laughs> I was like, oh, you're going to keep going. But it was fun. It was about, uh, it's called The Seventh Son, about this, like, the James Dean kind of Marlon Brando character breaks down outside of a woman's prison. <laughs> then he goes in, they take him in, and he kind of, like, has affairs with all the all the prisoners. It was kind of an epic storyline, <laughs> total like you know, trashy B movie style. Did you did you audition for the play? And the, out for yeah, the audition. It was a musical. But because I'm the seventh song, seventh song, I don't do 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 like that. Have some fun. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, My friends it? were in the back when I was auditioning. They're all. Like, Stupid, man. I was just sitting up there. Oh, I forgot what I auditioned to. Oh, like Run Around Sue or some old. So you sang song. a song for the audition? Yeah, you had to, yeah. Had you done much singing up until that point? Not really, no. <laughs> no. Not my strong suit. But I can. I played Rocky. I did play Frankenfurter and Rocky Horror on stage. It was my first professional play. So I had some experience in that. Is there a difference? I mean, as far as preparation goes for sort of stage acting and yeah. television or film acting? Completely. I mean, television film, you go scene by scene, you have multiple takes. You know, I like to be in the moment, so I don't like to get my dialogue down too much on TV. That could be a problem for some people. Like, you know, if you have, if you have a lot of stuff to do in a day, you know, you should get it really down. But sometimes I just like to find it, you know, with... with uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get from a different actor, so you rehearse, you find it, and hopefully when you start filming, you got it, but if you mess up, you can start over. That's not the case in plays. You just have to be on all the time. You have to be ready. You have to be ready for your next line. You have to jump on cues, and you have to be, you know, remember the blocking, and, you know, just be sort of in the flow of it. And that's kind of the greatest part. I mean, is there ever a moment sort of in the play where it kind of starts to fall apart? And yeah, I mean, you're just... It happened in a rehearsal. I was like, I can't do this. And, uh, yeah, I, had a, I stormed off the stage. I was freaking out. I was literally like, I'm going crazy. It's too much. I can't even... I don't think I can do this. I don't... And that was like the day before we opened. <laughs> so oh, then Jesus. the next day is like we sort of got it all together and it all worked out, but... I, I, I guess in a moment like that live when there's an audience in there do you just have to power through it? Do you just try to stay in the character or are you sort of thinking outside yourself? Yeah, you have to power through it. You know, that time I didn't but I learned a really good lesson and uh, that's like the show must go on. I mean, old lesson. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you can't really abandon your, your, your co-stars. So, and if you don't go through it the whole show stops. I mean, and it was a preview anyway so I could have just said let's you know, let's take this over or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, you kind of have to just go. We only had two and a half weeks to prep for it, so that's not quite enough time to learn two hours of dialogue. Right, exactly. <laughs> In an old English and with an accent. Jumping back to uh, sports a bit, yeah. are, are you a big Lakers fan? I am, but I'm a, I'm a bit of a Fairweather fan when it comes to anything. I don't... Uh, you know, it's I don't like live or die with sports. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I was married before, and and you know her father was dying, and he was this huge Alabama fan. And then 
once he started getting sicker and sicker, he was like, uh, Alabama, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Put things in perspective. Yeah, you know. So that's how I look at it. I like the moment. I like seeing a great performance as an athlete. I like being there, the connection with the crowd. I like, you know, winning and, yeah. you know, that whole feeling. But, you know, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I used to be like, the Dodgers would lose. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, sorry about I'd that. I'd sit there, like, in the dark with just the TV on. Like, yeah, we can do this, we can do this. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> No, less less like that. You move beyond that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love when it gets into the role and it gets exciting. That's what's so exciting about the Jays right now. They're just killing it, and it's like, you know, there's all this momentum and this fun. We're in a moment. Yes. You can feel it. Exactly. And they have to ride it through. Um, (laughs) With, I mean, here's something that I sort of always wanted to know with those Lakers tickets and like yeah. those seats is there a celebrity hierarchy how do you how do you come about your tickets for those games because well, I've seen my friend, pretty sweet seats my friend has those tickets I was uh, I was I had like I split half season tickets with another person and I was like a sort of you know good 20 30 rows up so I was going all the time and then there's this little back room where it's called the chairman's room where you can go and so it has a private bar and it has a bathroom and it's not as like, you know, it's a little out of the whole public, More like, yeah, gotcha. public thing. A little VIP kind of room. And then I met this guy and we became really good friends and he's got these floor seats. <laughs> so he'll call me up sometimes and just be like, you want to go? So that's how I get on there. They, a lot of the agencies have them and a lot of the like big clients who are fans will ask for them. Uh, Especially like if they have a movie coming out or something like that. They want to place people in those seats to yeah. be visible. And yeah. But I've gotten to know a lot of the sort of, you know, Genie Bus and a lot of the Laker people. Yeah. They're really cool Genie, about Genie Jim. Yeah. And if I want to just buy tickets, I actually like sitting a little further back. It's just kind of fun, a little up. You, you get a better perspective. Yeah, yeah. You're in with the crowd. It's not as sort of like you feel like you're being watched. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't like that feeling. <laughs> I got to sit in Jack Nicholson's seats once with a friend of mine who got the tickets. Seriously? And that was epic. Wow. Because that was like this classic seat. You're right next to the other bench. But my friend got too wasted and then we got kicked out. <laughs> you got booted from the Lakers game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it early it on? Was, it was my friend that got booted. But, yeah. Uh, it gets pretty wild. You know what I mean? You get pretty <laughs> caught up in it. And by the end of it, you're like, Wah! Yeah. Um... Your sister won an Oscar yeah. uh, recently, and she brought up uh, sort of gender equality mm-hmm. payment scale. Did you know she was going to bring that up? Is that something that she's talked about? No, I tried to get her to say Baba Booey on it. <laughs> she was like, it's inappropriate. I was like, just if you get flustered at some point, just say Baba Booey. You'll have a whole fan base that'll be like, love it. It's like, not the right time. So I think she made a better choice in going with right. gender equality. Um, are you a big Stern fan? Yeah, I love I love Stern. We have our ups and downs, but uh, yeah, I love him. Did I read that you were like a celebrity intern for Stern or something? I did. Like first time, I wrote him a letter that I was a huge fan. That my grandfather was in radio. I'd love to come in and just intern and see what. So they had me on, and then it started this sort of relationship where I'd come on and a few times and you know have some breakdowns on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, 
Are you on the up with him right now? Or? Yeah, I love I love him. You know what I mean? I love the show, but it's always something where you go on a show and you get in trouble for saying something mm-hmm. stupid. He has an ability to sort of get a lot out of people. Yeah. And his interviews are epic. Uh, yeah, he's good at it. Actually, I guess when you're friends, would you consider him a friend? Yeah. With somebody in the press, can it be a true friendship? Or is there sort of always sort of something there? Yeah, I mean, we're not like super tight, you know what I mean? So, but... You know, once in a while, it's, you see them and it, it feels friend like like your friends. But it's not like if I'm going through a hard time, I call him. You know, there are people I do. Um, but he was really generous. He we had, we had a really sort of off the record conversation that was very um, supportive and really mm-hmm. cool. And it, it's a different side. He, he was explained to me. You know, he's like, it's different on the radio. You know, this is character in the sense you play, and I got it. You know. Like, he's like, I need to entertain when I'm there. Yeah. And then he'll ask the hard questions. Like, you know, it's... It's hard to, like, even say, like, certain things because you don't want to, like, you know, uh, break someone's trust. But, yeah. Speak out of school. Yeah. But it is essentially, like, he's, you know, he's more provocative. He needs to bring up the kind of stuff that, you know... You push you, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So you end up talking about your exes or your certain things, and it's just like, oh, and then that's the kind of stuff people pick up and then run with, and then all the interviews you do of the future. <laughs> like, what about this that you said about this person? And that, then and they're that. referencing these things where you're, I mean, you're, I mean, in these interviews, you're a pretty open person with all of this sort of uh, stuff. When you do an interview like that, do you walk away and go, oh shit, what did I say? Or is it cathartic? And you're like, no, I was glad I had that conversation. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's sometimes you just sort of kick yourself for some of that stuff. And sometimes it's like great just to be honest and, Real, yeah. You know. um, in your sister's speech, you sort of mentioned some people that you know inspire her. I yeah. mean, is there anyone in particular that you find inspiring? Definitely my sister, my brothers and sisters, my parents were really an inspiration. My grandfather. Um, aside from that, uh, Gary Shandling's really a huge influence for me. Wow, he's yeah, just Gary such Sanders a supportive show. person, and just in general, he's like mentored you know just all of these comedians and just comedic writers and. He's just really a, a great, he's very Buddha-like, you know, he's a Zen quality and, you know, will talk to you about stuff or personal stuff and kind of put it in perspective because he has, has had a lot of, you know, personal sort of, you know, knowledge about this business and how to, you know, not let it own you and how to keep it all kind of cool. And Quincy Jones is another real inspiration. He's a incredible guy. You sit with him and he'll tell a story about yeah, when I was with John Coltrane and we were going down to Harlem and like, well, back up for a second. John Coltrane, he was like, he tells us one story, he goes, uh, yeah, the Beatles tried to get me to see this Maharashi guy and I was like, why do I want to see him? I was like, wait a second, you just like, like just glanced over like the Beatles, like dissing the Beatles. Like, I don't want to go see your guru, like really. Yeah. Like, this is like just a story, like you just like... Like, oh, yeah, I saw this guy on the corner. <laughs> That's, like, his story. It's absolutely insane. He's just this well of all these sort of anecdotes I'd yeah, imagine. Of, like, incredible. These historic figures. Speaking of the Beatles, I went and saw Paul McCartney on Saturday night. Oh, Were you awesome. in town for that? Did no. you go? Or, oh, he just played the ACC. Oh, how cool is that? It was amazing. It was, yeah. like, one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, great guy. Actually, another thing that sort of comes through in a lot of your interviews, and I, I think your performance is you're sort of this really sort of gregarious and sort of, like, you know, this... 
empathetic spirit. I mean, where do you think that comes from? Is that your upbringing? I guess so. I don't know. I like to be in the moment. I like to be real. You know, I really don't like people who are fake and like full shit. So I just try to like stay connected with real people. You know, I make mistakes and I own it. You know what I mean? So I think there's like a human quality that a lot of people when you're in this business for a long time lose. They lose touch and they start believing some of this ego stuff. And to me, it's like the opposite. Like the more you can stay grounded and you know, with people, and, and it's hard because this is this balance of like you have to have a kind of strong ego to, you know, be up there and, you know, be assertive and all this stuff, but you also can't lose touch with like, like I like the weirdos of the world, you know what I mean? Right. I like the like real kind of nerdy, funky people. So when I, when I, uh, you know, can have that relationship with that and just keep that true and then find the sort of quirkiness and characters and that kind of feel is really where the truth is because once you've become fake then how are you going to be real on camera you know mm -hmm. um i guess going forward you know theater acting television acting you're saying art um is there anything you could see yourself doing outside of those things or anything you want to do I mean, it's always great to have like a regular job <laughs> you know what i mean so series is always a great opportunity especially when it's something that people love so you're playing this character and you're part of this show that you have the right pieces together and it's ongoing people really love tuning in and doing a show that's you know like for me it's homeland right now or like whatever you know it was uh Breaking Bad or whatever it is but if you can play a character like that that's just so rich and all these working pieces that's sort of a dream place to be because then you have security, you know, as far as the work goes. Because as an actor, you're just like from one thing to another. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You never know if something, do all these independent movies that are cool, but they're not like great, you know. So it's good to like, whenever something hits and then it's like, oh, all these pieces come together in the right way, then it's a great place to be because then you feel like you're part of something really special. And that doesn't happen a lot. And when the longer you're in the business, the longer you start being able to recognize when that's actually happening. Do you have anything to ask, Shaney Boy? Uh, yeah, I wanted to know if I could have a photo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, totally. I'm nervous sitting here waiting to ask. No, no, not at all. See, uh, I don't care about <laughs> anything. Yeah. So. Welcome back. You just listened to David Arquette, and now we are here for the dessert of the Micah Much podcast, the part where Shane comes on and talks about a movie. And like I said off the top of the show, all three of us have seen Steve Jobs. Not the number one movie at the box office this weekend, but the number one movie in my heart at the mm -hmm. box office this weekend. I love this film. Shane, what are you thinking? Well, we might not have a lot to talk about. I feel like we waste a lot of the dessert off the top, but I also like the movie. I know with Martian, we kind of wanted to kill each other, but... <laughs> Max, how did you feel about Steve Jobs? I liked it a lot. Um, Am I the only love on this panel? No, no, no. I'd give it like a solid... 8.3. Mm. I had some I had some minor problems with ultimately it's a good film. Okay, uh Kate Winslet, did anyone notice that her dialect completely changed from the first portion to the middle portion? Yeah, she her started Polish accent got thicker, thicker oh as the movie God, went along. It drove me insane. I did notice it. So the movie's broken into sort of like three parts. So in that third one, I thought her Polish accent was way thicker than yeah, in She's 19... been in America for like an yeah. extra 20 years. Yeah, she's, she's like, she's yeah really she was the Benjamin Button of accents. It just <laughs> devolved as the movie went. <laughs> like she starts off, she's like, hey, want to grab a beer? And she's like, I like coffee. Like it was, it was big. 
very weird. I don't know Polish accents, obviously, but it got very weird and distracting for me. And I liked, she put a little affectation on her voice in the opening scene, and I liked her kind of weird voice she yeah. had. So that part was a little distracting. I noticed it. Yeah. And a couple of the, um, obviously it's a movie and they, they wanted to set it kind of like a play where everything happens in an isolated location. Usually these convention centers where he, he does his speech or whatever, where he does his, what the are they la- called? Product launches. Product launches. Mm-hmm. So it's based around three big product launches. But like, you know, his, his daughter's about to leave him at one point and uh, she's like about to get in the car. He's like, hey, how about I invent some music for your little pocket there? And she's like, What? And then he's like, yeah. She's like, you can do that? He's like, a thousand songs. And then she's like, okay, I'll come around and listen to your launch. I was like, shut up. Like, like that. It was very touching. It was touching. I'll say that. I'm saying these are little things that bother me that ultimately I dismiss. And this is one of those movies where it does have like a little bit lulls, but it pays off like tenfold at the end. Like all the lulls are worth it. Like um, when, when it gets to the, it ties everything together very nicely and Gets you very emotional. And I bet, I was just thinking of you at one point, because I know you really love um, uh, the Wes Anderson movie, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes. And you love the line about how he's, we're all animals, kind of, and like, yeah, yeah. Like he relates himself to a computer. He's like, I've got a flawed design at one point. Oh, that line. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, Mikey would go nuts at that line. And I knew you had seen it, so I was kind of seeing it through your eyes. I love the uh, Seth Rogen line where oh, he was fantastic. Seth Rogen was really good at it, and he's always just sitting in the crowd. It was, yeah, it's very play like where it's like the same sets. Like, oh, yeah. Throughout. And he, uh, they were like, kind of yelling at each other. It's like the 1998 product launch because Seth Rogen, well, Steve Wozniak, uh, wants Jobs to acknowledge all the work that he and his team put into launching Apple II, which is like their first computer. And uh, Rogen has a line, is like, you don't have to be basically an asshole. You can be talented and decent. It's not, you it's know, not, it's mean? not binary. Exactly. It was a very computery kind of term. But, to it, was, use. but it was killer. It was like just the, per- it's like you can be both. You can be decent and talented. You don't have to be an asshole and talented. This movie was front to back dialogue. And Sorkin. Sorkin, and it was so good and so well framed, and it was like a play, like you mm-hmm. said. But every, I was compelled the whole time. I thought Fastbender was like I, I couldn't stop watching, and mm-hmm. I was just so absorbed in everything about it. And yeah, it was yeah. You know, actually, one note uh, about Sorkin. It's funny because I, obviously he's like a genius writer, but I wasn't crazy about Newsroom. And I think the trick with Sorkin, like if you if you're gonna be that dialogue heavy, I feel like there's like a 50% more dialogue or 100% more dialogue in a Sorkin movie versus every other drama that's mm-hmm. out there um, is it needs to be paired with a really good director and a really good sort of uh, like a director of photography. Is that yeah, cinematographer. Yeah, a cinematographer because newsroom got so bland because it was under like the harsh like fluorescent lights of a newsroom the whole time. So hearing people like have these like sort of like long-winded, really wordy conversations back and forth like under fluorescent lights is just like a little harsh to listen to and to be like kept focused on. But this movie and same thing with The Social Network mm-hmm. was – Awesome to look at. Oh, and when it was raining in the boardroom. Oh, that uh, scene's amazing with Jeff Daniels. Do you when think Jobs the, gets pushed out. When, yeah. Do you think the logic is like that it's like the circuitry of a computer, how they made it look like shit was like running through oh, almost it, like the inside of a computer? I thought that was symbolism there. It very well could mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think that's that's the trick with Sorkin is like it has to be with like a bat. And same thing with social, social network, which just like looked amazing. It needs to be, and you need to um, with Sorkin too, especially with his dialogue. He can make all characters sound like the same character, yeah. so you need that dissension between or the different totally. making the characters different. And uh, what's his name, lead guy Fassbender, is such a good actor, yeah. and then Seth Rogen is such a defined 
persona that you can really separate the dialogue. So I did have little things bother me, um, like like you know, like they're like thirty seconds, Steve, till you got the thing, and he's like, okay. And then a guy will walk in and be like, here's why you're a dickwad. And then he'll have to deal with a problem for like seemingly like 10 minutes when he only has 30 seconds to go. It, yeah. It, it, the, the he order- acknowledged it though at one point. Like he, they made light of it because obviously he knew audience members would be thinking like, why the f*** are so many problems happening mere seconds before he walks on stage? Uh, yeah. So he's like, what? Does everyone go to a bar and get drunk and call me an asshole right before I go on stage? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was glad the they hung a lantern on, on that. And, I, Moment. and even though that that kind of construct felt fictional, like it's mm-hmm. like, okay, does it unroll this way? I'm like, I don't know, but I think it's doing what like a play would do. Mm-hmm. It's like it used like this this storytelling and framing device to get all the information we needed across and made for so much compelling like drama and like oh, sort of- And like, the editing at the end was f***ing brilliant. With How, that track, I don't know what that oh, music track such was, a good but song. So you're swelling up inside. And also I'll say another thing, Seth Rogen obviously is a very famous actor and Fassbender has become quite famous. I very quickly stopped thinking like, oh, I'm watching Seth Rogen and Fassbender act. And I believed Me that too. they were friends. Right. Like, I believe mm-hmm. there was this shared history between Wozniak and uh, Jobs mm-hmm. and that, like, how Jobs, like, I love to when Jobs is like, you know, when Wozniak says some terrible things after Jobs gets pushed out, he's like, did they make you say it or did you say it? And then Wozniak's like, no, I said it. And he's like, ah, it's okay, Woz. He's like, you got a lifetime pass for me. And then Woz's like, I get a lifetime pass from you? Yeah. Like, you don't know how to code. You don't know how to build. Like, what do you do? He's like, I did everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, all of that stuff, like the animosity between them, but then the respect, but then the lack of respect that they talk about at the end, all of that was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the line, hey, Steve Jobs, obviously we can talk about Jobs for hours as a person, that line about, it's like, you're just like the first violinist. Like, you're really good at playing your instrument. It's like, I play the orchestra. That's great. Mm-hmm. And that is that uh, sort of self-serving talk that I'm like a uh, sociopath. Uh, oh, it's so self-aggrandizing mm-hmm. yeah. and was, great copy though. It is. Oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's um, cool. <laughs> I guess that's that. <laughs> Go see Steve Jobs. All right. So you gave it an 8.3. I give it a cool. <laughs> <laughs> the max rating system. That's all you need. Uh, you know what movie we should talk about next week? Maybe what's that? Um, it follows. Oh yeah, that just came awesome. out on Netflix too, Have and you guys we saw it in the theater. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Save it for next week. Right. Next week we're talking about it follows. Oh man, jeez, I saw I saw that last night. I hate oh, I Max next week. That's it. That's all. That is our episode. Um, thank you. Subscribe for to the damn thing. Subscribe to the damn thing. It says Max. As always, all the artwork you see for the Mike and Much podcast is done by Jenna Gregory from jennasdoings.com. You can follow us at Mike on Much on Instagram and Twitter. The Mike and Much podcast is produced by Max Kerman. I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week. If we don't die on the weekend. <laughs>